Shut up and sit down. Hi, I'm Corbin. And I'm Katie. And we are the, the Vagabonds. Two best friends adventuring through the world of lady stuff, one episode at a time. We don't give medical advice, and we don't seek for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having at bars anyway. Hello. 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 We're coming at you back from the, the <gasps> Batcave. Oh my gosh, I just saw Dave's mug. Dave has a Vagabonds oh. mug. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I like how he conveniently waited to reveal that to us until. That's a nice mug. It is. Oh, 20 oh, ounce. Me. Oh, 20 it's ounce a jumbo mug. mug. Now we know who his favorite is. Ooh, <laughs> what up? <laughs> oh, that's I awesome. Have, I have presents for you guys. <gasps> oh, my gosh. This is so exciting. Let's see. Do you want each other yeah. or do you want. Yeah, I want Corbin. Right. Yeah. Oh, look at this. Those hey, are guys, the, these uh, are some these nice are quality nice. mics. They are. I was super impressed when I got yeah, these them. These are like heavy, like heavy dude. Like, can you hear that? That's like good mug right there. Yeah, you want to spend your money on this, people. Good. I like the uh, yeah. the color on the inside. Yeah. So Cor- the inside cool. of the mug with Corbin's uterus on it, aka the mug that I'm holding right now, is black. And or, mine, or maybe navy, black. I black. think. It, and mine is yellow, which is like the best because I love yellow. Um, this is so exciting. And then they have quotes on them, which if you haven't looked at the store, we're just going to give you a little preview. This is like a like an unboxing like on YouTube. I feel like that's what we're doing on our podcast. Yeah, but without the visual. You can't component. see it. We'll take pictures. We'll take pictures after this. Um, but mine has Corbin, a little uterus with her little fallopian tubes crossed, looking skeptical. And the quote on it says, I think you need to do a little more self-reflection. And then <laughs> mine is Katie. It looks like ranting. And it says, if you touch me inappropriately, I'm going to touch you inappropriately. <laughs> These are so appropriate for our personalities. <laughs> Corinne was just talking about how she needs to do a little more self-reflection. And this is like perfect. Yeah, I was. <laughs> so fitting. So fitting. I'm going to take my own advice. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. Thanks, this is so Merry, great. Merry Christmas. Oh, you. you're the best. Oh, Merry Christmas. You. you can get these mugs if you're a, a staunch yeah. enough listener. Yeah. And you want to have... Uh, coffee or your beverage of your choice with your two favorite podcasters, you can get these on our website, thevagabonds.com slash store. Yeah. Ooh. We also need to come up with a giveaway or something. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about that. I'm trying to figure out how you do that with like people who like rate you or, you know, so, or, yeah. like, you get so many likes. I don't think we could do it with rating because we can't really always see that. I know. I um. But if you get like so many shares on Facebook or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. We need to figure it out. If, look, just say something nice about us in some public forum. We'll probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we might choose you. Yeah. Um, okay, so I wanted to start with a new segment today, um, if y'all are cool with that. Yeah. Also, y'all, so I've been in the South, and I like, when I was there, I was like, how long do I have to live here until I can start saying y'all? Because it's the most convenient pronoun. I'll tell you what, it is a Not useful. It is a useful. Yeah, that's I think, what they said. They're like, you can use it now. I was like, okay. I think. <laughs> Thank you. I use it on occasion it's so convenient we don't have a plural you that's right and so it's like so nice let me tell you that you gets guys. me in trouble a lot that when we don't yeah With who? like when you say so i'll often say um well i guess this isn't always the way like you all in that sense but i'll say you as in like the kind of like third person you like a the lot. royal you yeah yeah and so i'll say like 
you like one time I was talking about a friend who does like jujitsu or whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, she'd beat you up. And I meant you as in like, like everyone, everyone, like, but then I, in hindsight, after I was done with the conversation, it sounded like I was telling this person that (laughs) my friend was going to beat beat you up. up. Yeah. Why don't you just prepare? Yeah. So I do that constantly. And it's very, or like. Well, if you say like, if you want to say like a plural you, or if you're like addressing a group yeah. of people, then a lot of in the Midwest, we say you guys, which is like, fi- I feel like for our generation, it's fine. Like we know that it's like not a gendered thing, but my grand, so my granny is 98 years old. She'll be 99 in February. She's amazing. But like, so our youth pastor used to say this at church and she'd be like, she'd always sit there and she'd be like, I'm not a guy. <laughs> and she just like got so offended. I'm like, I know granny. It's like a generational thing. It's going to be fine. But it's true. Like, if you can say y'all, like, it's the same thing, mm-hmm. but it's it's better. It's not gendered. But anyway, okay, so uh, this is our new segment called Northwest Iowa Headlines, <laughs> because I just feel like if you're not from Iowa, you, like, need to understand some of what me and Corbin grew up with, <laughs> because this is hilarious. So this one is Spencer, Iowa man arrested after leading police on low-speed tractor chase. Wow. <laughs> it's so, okay, it gets better. Okay, so um, the you know talks about like you what, know could they not have just like pulled in front of him and stopped oh the tractor oh this is what okay so Spencer police say that this person was driving the tractor suspiciously in the parking lot of the first English Lutheran Church at one thirty <laughs> in the morning. Can you get more Midwestern than that sentence? <laughs> Someone was driving a tractor fucking suspiciously in a Lutheran church in a parking, parking lot. Lutheran church parking lot at one thirty in the morning. Yeah, like all of those. It's just so good. I feel like okay. that sums it all up right when there. When they tried to stop the tractor, he drove away. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Okay, officers say they pursued the tractor through residential areas. Um, the person swerved at police several times while they tried to deploy stop sticks, which I don't know what those are. I'm assuming they're things that go on the road, maybe. Yeah. Um, they have spikes in them, too. Eventually, the person drove onto a lawn and then purposely ran the tractor into a police car. Oh, that's so scary. <laughs> so he was intoxicated. What kind of tractor are we talking about? Are we talking about a lawn tractor? Uh, I think we're no. talking about a big old when tractor. When I would say tractor, they don't mean lawn. No, 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 okay. no, not lawnmower. Probably, I'm... Okay, in my mind, I don't know if this is true, but I'm eventually in like an open cab tractor though. Yeah, like a farm all yeah. from like yeah, 1930. Yeah, 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 like an old. <laughs> That's what I'm also imagining. Because a big ass tractor would run over a police car. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm imagining an older. Right. Yeah, but not like a lawnmower. No, I mean they would say that in Iowa if that's what it was. But yeah, anyway, so they would probably say a ride on. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So there's our. Uh, the Lutheran church. That's amazing. I know. That's so good. Yeah. That's so awesome. um, hopefully people in Spencer, Iowa, hopefully your property wasn't damaged too much. But thank you for allowing us to have a little joy at our Appreciate weird that. state that we live in. Yeah. Yeah. I can't find the headline now. This is not nearly as good. Not even like a percentage as good as the, that one. But I just read it. Also, in Northwest Iowa, a young hunter shot a mountain lion. Oh, yeah. In Akron. In Akron, yeah. yeah. I just, that was on the sideline of the, this is like my local news station at home. Um, Shout out to KTIV Channel 4. Woo. Um. (laughs) Sponsor us. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. sponsor. Give us a call. Um, But no, yeah, in Akron, which is where I did my family med clinicals. Yeah, Yeah. apparently the, uh, the, the lion snuck up on him when he was hunting deer. That's scary. That's like one of my biggest fears, especially when I'm peeing out in a field by myself. Is that oh, something's gonna come get me? Most Words fears. that I have never uttered before. Yeah. My biggest fear. Oh, no, my biggest fear when I'm out in the field peeing 
I've, um, I've never thought that before. I mean, they're more so because of the you like. You look in the trees because people are living in the mountains more. Mountain lions are coming back to Iowa, basically. Yeah, and it's actually really dangerous because like it, well, yeah. this, like this one, they snuck up on the sky. Right, yeah. probably w- it probably would have killed them. Well, if he especially hadn't been armed. it's really dangerous because because the reason why they're moving is because they're like their areas are getting lessened, and so they have less food as well. And so like a hungry wild animal is more dangerous than like a a satisfied one and so that makes them even more dangerous mm-hmm. um but yeah so my dad i mean my dad um when we lived when i was like in eighth grade we like lived at my dad's for a little bit and i woke up to like a mountain lion like howl in the middle of the night it's terrifying yeah. it's like so terrifying yeah. we had yeah this. it sounds like a woman screaming like i'm not kidding it's there used crazy. to be one that used to roam around my grandpa grandpa's pasture that, yeah um we always kind of had to watch out for look out for yeah well so there's like a bunch apparently so my my all all of our parents live up there um and my dad said that like his friends have like seen a few recently um but he always jokes so my cat lives with my dad right now and he always jokes that like my cat will like leave for like days at a time and then come back um because they just like live out in the country like very far out in the country and um, he always just jokes that he's like making friends with them and like living with like the bobcats and the mountain lions. Like, yes, it's true. I'm gonna stick to my city life. I think. Yeah, that's right. Not that they don't come into cities. Yeah, sometimes, but... it's true. Or in Iowa City, you just have deer run across the road in the middle of yeah. Town. Those are scary enough. Yeah, those deer. They it's can really fuck you up. Yesterday, it's so scary. I thought about that when I was driving down the interstate the other day. You going like 70 miles an hour mm-hmm. in my little tiny Honda Civic. I'm mm-hmm. like, man, if a deer comes out now, I'm toast. Corman mm-hmm. would die. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, that's scary. Oh, here's a here's a um a good hint for our listeners. So. I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that if you get hit by a deer, so if you're if you're driving and you say that you hit a deer, your insurance won't cover it as much as if you say that you got hit by a deer. Oh. Because those are two different things, apparently. I oh, don't know well, if that's kinda. true. There's a nuance there. There is, and I don't know if it's true, but also... Either way, they should still cover it because in driver's ed, we learned don't veer for a deer. Like, you're not supposed to, like, try to go around a yeah, deer. Yeah, because that causes worse. Because it causes worse accidents. Yeah. So, anyway. Public so service can, announcement brought to you by the Vagabonds Vagabons. Podcast. Yeah. Don't veer um, for a deer. One time, my, this is another Northwest Iowa story. I got hit by, not I hit what appeared to be a loose hog on the interstate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Holly and Clayton hit a cow one time. It totaled their car. Well, yeah. Yeah. I have a friend. Actually, I have a friend who, uh, old friend who um, hit a horse with his um, sports car. It's convertible. Oh, my God. Yeah. He got got fucked up real bad. Oh, I'm sure. My, um, one of my grandpa's cows got out one time and, uh, this is not how Iowa you guys are I was realizing say, that we are. This is uh, the Iowa portion of the show. <laughs> um, and someone hit it, the cow, but Iowa is in a free range state, so it's the owner yeah, of the animal's the owners. fault. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the the driver fled, and it was one of my grandpa's neighbors who's a known person who likes to indulge mm. in uh, yes. substances. Uh, I like yes. how you how delicately you put it. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm not trying to slander. Okay. I don't know. Corbin's grandpa's neighbors do listen to this podcast. Yeah, so. they, <laughs> careful. Uh, but anyway, so my grandpa suspected. We cannot confirm that he was intoxicated sure, at sure. the time. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but yeah. it was still my grandpa's fault because his cow was out. Yeah. Yeah. I know my my father-in-law has lots of cows and we always have to go put them in. So actually, this is like a, another funny story. So my uh, 
brother-in-law so adam's brother and sister-in-law were in town and she's from texas but like not she's from like the city like not from a ranch or anything and the cows got out and she like went with my father-in-law and like my brother-in-law to go get the cows in and she was like telling us about it she's like it was the most fun i've ever had in my life (laughs) and like (laughs) because wrangling cows because harry like lettered like harry like they found him and like harry was like okay julia you like drive the truck and i'll like do everything else she's he's like just drive next to him and like keep you know like keep him against the fence basically and she was like i don't know if i can do it (laughs) and he's like you can and she was like me me and harry just had a moment out there in that field and i was like oh my god you were the cutest person i've ever met but it was just so funny i'm like i have many a time woken up in the middle of the night to go put cows back in jeez it's it's kind of fun living in iowa definitely an education for me me, Cause it, no, it is. Slicker. I mean, but it's dangerous, right? You, like you have to go right when it happens because it's dangerous. People right. could hit dangerous, them. Yeah. Right. There's like a lot of highways by his parents' house. So yeah. Anyway. Okay. So what are we actually right. talking about? This is what we're actually talking about. On a related note, just kidding. <laughs> not we're at all. Talk about uterus transplants. <laughs> Woo. Okay. So we're talking about this. Because it's apropos, because a week ago or so. God, apropos, you're so cool. I'm, Look at you throwing that down. My fancy interview words. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Look how sophisticated That's I am, That's my goal this guys. week is to use that in an interview. Um, well, I actually met someone on the interview trail who suggested us do this this episode. So really? shout out to you. Woo! If you're listening. That's exciting. Hopefully you are. Um, but also, uh, a week or so ago, they're not releasing the birth date of the child. That's smart. Um, for you know, HIPAA reasons, that would be yeah to protect the um privacy. But the first baby born in the U.S. from a uterine transplant was born in Baylor in Dallas, Texas. Really? Yep. So I thought we'd talk about uterus transplants because it's kind of an interesting topic. It's very interesting. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about the um the the most this one this most successful one in the U.S. Yeah, this Later. isn't the first uterus transplant no, that a, has <laughs> resulted no. in a live birth, right? Correct. And so actually there's like quite a long history of trying uterine transplants mm. in the world. Mm. Um, since like 1986, or sorry, not 1986, 1886. Oh, holy crap. Yeah, there have been like first attempts at like auto transplantation. So like oh. moving the uterus in a different part of the body uh-huh. or like, so since that, but um. Uh, according like, to my research, in 1966, um, female dogs were actually used to perform the first successful animal auto transplantation of the uterus. Mm. Okay, so where'd they move it to? I did not do that much research because I was like, oh, I'm gonna Google there were many right. links. Yeah, to no, be I'm followed. sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. No. And I was so like, uh, um, I'll give you some background. I also on this episode. wondered too. <laughs> Corbin was like, I was like, oh, we should do the uter- the first uterus transplant baby. And Corbin was like, well, I think we should do the history of uterus transplants. And I was, and I like just, I literally just drove like 14 hours through, overnight on Friday night. And I was like, I'm exhausted. I was like, Corbs, go for it. Because yeah. I like cannot right now. And so yeah. she did. But anyway, so this is not me like judging her. This is me being like, thank you for taking this work from me. <laughs> um, So yeah, I also wondered the same thing, like where you move it to. Well, but- okay, because interestingly, like when I was, when I was on surgery, um, I was on transplant and the first kidney transplants, they hooked the vein and artery up to the, your brachial vein and artery in your arm. And so like your kidney was just like kind of hanging off your arm because 
like until then I hadn't realized that really all your kidney needs is an in and out flow. Right. Because it doesn't need to be where it it is. It doesn't need to be where it is, which makes sense because when we transplant kidneys, we do them in the pelvis. We don't do them in the upper abdomen. Right. Which is like where they are naturally. So, uh, yeah, it's just like interesting that you can like transplant a organ to somewhere where it doesn't really belong and it can still work. It does seem like I I hope they asked like, hey, do you mind if we have your kidney dangling from underneath your arm? Would that be cool? So I think it was like a... um, It seems like... From what I remember from the case, it was like a, this is a temporary measure until you... It was something where like, essentially they needed to be on dialysis, but they didn't have dialysis then. Because there's sometimes, like, there's some reasons why you would need like temporary dialysis for just a little bit until you like get whatever's happening like clears itself so instead of a machine they just threw a kidney on there, right and so or like if your kidneys are severely damaged and like but they're gonna heal themselves maybe which i think can happen in some diseases um anyway yeah so it was just for a little bit because obviously like if your kidney is hanging outside your body like you're gonna get infections and you're gonna get like all this weird crap going on but Mm -hmm. yeah Really easy kidney. And you're not going to be real injury. popular at someone, parties. Someone right. elbowed me. You and now I have a kidney party. injury. <laughs> yeah. Someone elbowed me. Now I have a kidney injury. Wow. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, there was that first dogs, and th- they have also been done in like mice and stuff. And I, th- I don't have the note here, but I believe the first aloe transplantation, so transplantation from another organ, like or like organism, not basically right. a genetically dissimilar um was done in mice i okay. believe yeah rat is what i see right yeah here. in sweden in sweden and then so basically there was kind of like a stall out on this research and then the first human uterine transplant was performed in saudi arabia in 2000 that's interesting not where i would have thought that yeah. it happened yeah me neither Interesting. And I mean, there was, I don't have the exact notes, but there were like research going on in Hungary and Turkey and uh, all that jazz. That's cool. So, and the woman who had the um, uterine transplant in Saudi Arabia, um, it, the note always says it was a patient whose own uterus had hemorrhaged after childbirth. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, um, so they probably like had, yeah, she had a probably a cesarean a hist. or a hist. In general, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the women who now are candidates for the uterine transplant are actually women who are born either like without a uterus or with a non-functioning uterus rather mm-hmm. than they just had, um, you know, they had had, had to have a hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Which so, is, we shout out to like one of our previous episodes. We kind of talked about that with yeah. the um, like Didelphus, the episode where we talked about Didelphus. So like there's some women who they're like, lower vaginal tract and their uterus don't fuse and so they have like a non-functional uterus or something like that can happen so that's what she's talking about when she says that yeah and the woman in saudi arabia her uterus was actually it failed the transplant failed to it had to be taken out 99 days after uh, transplantation because of uterine necrosis and poor vascular reperfusion so you weren't getting enough blood supply which is which I mean, which was common for a lot of first transplants. Yeah, that's they a that's lot. Really a common. lot of them had to be removed because yeah. of those reasons. Yeah. So, um, in 2014, um, Sweden actually announced that they had the first baby born from a uterine transplant. Mm-hmm. I remember this. Yeah. So in Gothenburg, Sweden, the the hospital there was um, undergoing a trial, basically a clinical trial, mm-hmm. with I think ten women. Um, 
who they were transplanting uterus transplants or transplanting <laughs> uteruses into the into women and mostly like i said women with these absolute what is called absolute uterine factor infertility so something wrong with their uterus mm -hmm. why they can't have a baby um so the baby was born at 32 weeks because the mom had actually developed preeclampsia mm. in her pregnancy so and it was um born via planned cesarean section mm -hmm. so this is what i've seen these women are all scheduled for a planned c-section yeah they don't do vaginal vaginal births, births yet yep. or maybe never <clears throat> probably i would assume i would assume never, <laughs> never. i think the risks of c-section are low enough that yeah to have this high risk of a pregnancy you would mm -hmm. just kind of do it mm -hmm. yeah and these so this is something that uh something that uh these are not supposed to be forever oh yeah they're yeah. pretty much removed after the c-section right yeah they're Usually. removed so, so the idea is that they well not one and done the idea is one or two and done oh okay yeah. um and that's mainly because they uh they don't want women of course to be on rejection drugs for sure. their entire right. lives because that's kind of like an un unnecessary unnecessary harm mm -hmm. yeah. on them so um before actually so then the u.s decided hey we're gonna jump on this ship uh and the first uterine transplant performed the good ship the good ship uterus yeah my favorite ship <laughs> yeah the first uterus transplant performed at the united we got to get to the moon mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm uh took place in the united states it was on in february of 2016 at the cleveland clinic who was oh. also they were also doing a trial was it the cleveland clinic in cleveland yes okay um they're also doing a trial however that um uterus failed that transplant failed mm -hmm. because of a yeast infection actually so i wonder like how because okay obviously like i feel like the point of a uterine transplant is to carry a pregnancy right because like really that's all we need yeah that's the point for. of it like yeah. as opposed to like our ovaries like i could see why you would try to transplant ovary for like hormone replacement maybe but so i wonder how long they wait after the transplant to oh, try to i have the answer to this yes question. <laughs> oh my gosh um research, so research. in sweden they waited a full year. Okay. Okay. After the transplant, basically to recover from surgery. Right. However, Baylor, so this is where the uh -huh. successful pregnancy occurred. Um, I guess childbirth, I should say, because other women have had pregnancies, but right. not births. But um, they actually waited just like a few months after the surgery. Mm. Oh. Um, basically, they wait for the woman to start menstruating. And then. Oh, that's yeah. fair. Oh, so these uteruses menstruate. I guess I didn't yeah. even think about that. Yeah. I know. I didn't think about it either until I was like, yeah, that makes sense. It does make sense, but that's cool. Yeah. So um, then that makes me question of whether they could do a vaginal birth then. They probably could. It's just really dangerous. Because yeah. I like, mean, it seems like you'd put a lot of pressure on, on the, the vaginal cuff. On the vaginal cuff and also all the like arteries. And arteries. And, well, I guess you have a lot. I mean, I just a lot of feel like you wouldn't arteries. want it to contract, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. But I, I, yeah. Maybe that's not necessarily true. So, so, I mean, one thing is they, they must, I mean, it's a scheduled uh, C-section. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, what would happen if somebody went into labor early? They would just, they do, would the just do the C-section mm -hmm. right then. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So the lady in Cleveland had a Canada infection and... Um, a Canada so, infection. Yeast infection. Yeast infection. Candida. Yes. Candida. 
Candida. Not Canada. Is it Can- not Canada? Is it Candida she or can- Candida? We say Candida. Okay. Say can- yeah, but you know, I don't say a lot of things correctly. I so. can't pronounce medical words. I've yeah. made a long history um, of not pronouncing them well. So anyway, this um, then our next step in the process is Baylor doing their clinical trial. Um, they have in their clinical trial their plan for ten transplants um, randomized to living and deceased donors. Okay. So of no, all of the births that we've had have come from living donors. Okay. And um, so at Baylor, there have been three failed transplants, one successful, the one that was just born, and then another woman who is pregnant right now Okay. in this trial. And I think I read somewhere that the one who's pregnant is also from a live donor. Mm-hmm. So live or deceased, um, live, I think it's self-explanatory, but they can get like a uterus from someone who's passed, like if they pass, you know, in, in the hospital, kind of like maybe. you would, yeah, like mm-hmm. any other sort of donation right. procedure. But Right, like and recently passed. This is yeah. not saying like we're going to like a cadaver and yeah. taking a uterus like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like any other do- organ Any donation. other organ donor. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of unique in the sense of, you know, people don't need to live with their uteruses. So, mm-hmm. uteri, I guess we decided last <laughs> yes, episode. Uteri. Or two episodes ago. Um, So, I think, so it makes this option of a live donor a lot more, mm-hmm. you know, realistic, mm-hmm. of course. Because, like, for instance, the woman who donated her uterus, she was an altruistic donor, meaning she didn't know the person who she right. donated her uterus to or anything. Um. She's a nurse at Baylor, and she had already had two kids, and her and her husband knew she didn't want to have any more kids. So, yeah, that's interesting too, because um, I don't know if this is like a requirement if they have had to have carried a child before, like the uterus that they'll use to transplant. Because that'd be interesting too if they had to have carried a child. Yeah, you know, I don't know versus like a there is first. a so and I did look at the website, the clinical trial website, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't get that much into the nitty-gritty details of the oh, exclusion, sure, yeah. inclusion criteria. Right. These are kind of the different phases of the transplant. So first, actually before they have the uterus transplant, that's when they do the like egg harvesting oh, and yeah. stuff for the in vitro fertilization. So all these women have in vitro fertilization. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have in vitro fertilization, which we should have another episode about. Oh, yeah, we will. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. But... um. Basically, you have to go and harvest the eggs from the woman's ovaries. You stimulate her ovaries to produce a lot of eggs, and then you harvest them, mature ones, from her ovaries. And so basically, that happens before they even do the transplant, and then they freeze them. So you can freeze fertilized eggs for mm-hmm. a period of time. For a long time. For a very long time. Um, and then phase two is transplantation. And then... um. Phase three is the actual, like, recovery. Like, you take immunosuppressant drugs, and then you basically wait to menstruate at Baylor. At, in Sweden, they're waiting a full 12 months. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then phase four is the implantation of the embryo. Um, and I imagine you may have to go through several cycles because well, mm-hmm. IVF. IVF is not right. 100%. And then phase five is pregnancy. And then it may or may not happen. Now, of course, there are a lot of, like, ethical concerns. Yeah, so um, this is the part that interests me. Yeah, actually this is more the chatty than... part of the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, and, I mean, these things... 
I mean, before we get into the discussion, these things typically would be very expensive. Right. The clinical trial costs are covered by the health, the universities that are doing the clinical trials themselves, yeah. which I mean makes sense. Probably by their grants and stuff. Right? Yeah. So the the operation, the, right? The um, does that extend to like pre and post surgical mm-hmm. care? Yeah. And, it's like everything. It's and everything. the IVF and mm-hmm. yeah, everything. Okay. I mean, IVF itself is not cheap. No. One round of IVF costs like fifteen thousand dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um. But anyway, so there's that. But there was actually a like a paper written and at from McGill University and it it's called the Montreal Criteria for the Ethical Feasibility of Uterine Transplantation. Hmm. Okay. And so they came up with the criteria in which it is ethical. So all I, they the whole paper actually goes through like so there are like principles of medical ethics basically and there are like four basic ones non-maleficence autonomy beneficence and justice Mm -hmm. so we have to learn all about these in medical school and we have to like talk about them and stuff but most people don't really probably think about them or care so i i will spare you the details but it was interesting to me when i was reading them but um so they came up with criteria for the recipient the donor and the healthcare team for this to be ethical um so the recipient actually has to be, um, so they're saying that assuming that a uterine transplant is shown to lead to a viable gestation and is proven to be uh, medically safe for the mother and fetus, a woman can be considered as a candidate for the transplant if and only if all of the following criteria are met. So the recipient must be a genetic female of reproductive age with no medical contraindications to transplantation. That is interesting. Yeah. Okay, go through all of them. That's we'll probably talk the about most them. controversial one in okay. my mind. Okay, keep um, going. Has documented congenital or acquired uterine factor, factor in insufficiency. In- infertility, infertility, sorry. Infertility, yeah. Which has failed all current gold standard in conservative therapy. Has a personal or legal contraindication to surrogacy or adoption. Or seeks the uterine transplant solely as a measure of to experience gestation with the understanding of the limitations provided by the uterine transplant in this respect. Has not had her, has not basically been coerced and has been um, deemed rational by psychological eva- evaluation. Um, does not exhibit frank unsuitability for motherhood and can basically consent to this. Um, mm. Procedure. Mm. And then the donor basically it's, um, is a female of reproductive age, the same kind of deal, um, has repeatedly said, I don't want to have kids anymore and so- signed in advance, um, has signed this, um, has no uterine damage or disease and, um, is also can consent legally. Um, and the healthcare team basically just has to show that it's like stable and it can provide all of the necessary oh, yeah. care and aftercare basically um and there's no conflict of interest so like no one's like the person who's doing the surgery isn't like getting this kid or like yeah some you know something like weird like that or like making money off of like yeah the special suture you need right, to use yeah. to do them or whatever mm-hmm. anyway so anyway i thought we could discuss like some of the yeah well so... let's talk about the first one because the the first uh, limitation for yeah. the genetic female, ge- gen- the genetic female, yeah, 
uh, being the recipient. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that you want a genetic female to be the donor um, because for right. the most part, that's who has you might, right. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, I mean, on the face of it, it kind of makes sense because uh, in, in the case of a genetic female, the uterus has been, um, or the, the body has been generally probably more prepared to undergo pregnancy, except for the fact that it doesn't have a, the body doesn't have a functioning uterus, right? So, like, if I yeah, it's a yeah, it's I mean, like, well, it's more complicated than that because if you mean like prepared as in like genetically, yes, but if you mean prepared as in like hormonally, I mean, there's trans trans women who have gone through hormone therapy and have been technically prepared by hormones for their entire adult lives. Yes, so yeah, that would be the case for some trans women, right, not yeah. not all, not all trans yeah, women. no. Yeah, but so, I guess yeah. So so it's possible that a, f a sort of finer distinction could be made there between, you know, if that was the if that was the the reason for the criteria, it's possible mm -hmm. a finer distinction could be made right. as to which trans women could and which trans right. women couldn't. But maybe we're just not there well, yet, science wise. I think, I think the other thing, as far as like the ethics, is like you have to take into account like not only who desires it, but like who it will harm the least. And I think that it is true that someone who is genetically female right now has potentially the least amount of harm to mm -hmm. come from it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So because well, like, especially knowing what we know, which isn't everything. Right. Exactly. Right. So yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, it'll be, here's the thing. I was like, I just kind of have an issue. Like, I think it's interesting that they like. What did they say about surrogacy again? Like, they have an ethical, yeah, which is weird reason to me. for not. It's like very interesting. I'm sorry, in say that. Say it again. They have an ethical contraindication to surrogacy, so they don't or adoption that, or adoption, so they don't believe that they can do that. Okay. There are people with those. I, I guess so. Really? Yeah. I like. Okay. Well, I. Can understand how there would be someone no. who has a ethical contraindication to surrogacy or adoption, but I don't see how that person would also be not opposed to having a uterus. I honestly, <laughs> think it's rare enough that it's probably actually not true in these cases. Yeah, I mean, this is speculation, but and you just have to say that you do. And right. Then, well, and like, the next it kind one of was feels like, like to me like the vaccination, like. I don't want my kids to be vaccinated, so I'm going to say that we, like, it's yeah. against their religion, but, like, subjection. it's rather these women just really want to be pregnant well, as opposed to, like, have a... line? Was, like, desires gestation or something like that? Yeah. Well, I guess this is an or. Oh. So, yeah, has see. a personal le or legal contraindication to surrogacy and adoption measures, or seeks the uterine transplant solely as a measure to experience gestation with an understanding of the limitations provided by the uterine transplant in this respect. Right. So that's saying that basically anyone who wants to be pregnant themselves can do it. Yeah. Which I don't know if I agree with that. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, I that's, think, I think, the dicey part, right? Well, so, yeah. So here's the thing is I agree with it. If So I agree with it from like a patient autonomy and like beneficence standard, which like me just means so like Patient autonomy means that patients should have the decision-making capacity for all of their health care. Beneficence means that, like, we should provide, we should try to do good by our patients no matter what. But then when you take into, like, non-malfeasance, so, yeah. like, that's where, like, this for me is not okay. Is like, 
So non-malfeasance means like do no harm essentially. So it's different than like providing good. Whereas like we're saying, so do no harm is like, we're not going to provide you some healthcare because we think it may harm you or because we think as a medical community that the standard, the, the stakes are too high, that the percentage chance that it will harm you is too high for us to agree to doing this, that it's okay. And so that's where I get into this is like, I disagree. Like if you just like think that you want to carry a pregnancy, like, I don't think that's a, and this is like me. I don't know this. I like feel really wrong saying this, but I don't think that's a good enough reason for me to put you through all this. Yeah. And it's like very patriarchal of me to say that, but it it's, well, I mean, it's it, kind of hard, right? Oh, you go ahead. Dave. No, I, I mean, at some point a decision has to be, a, a decision is always made uh, in medical care where, you know, is, is the good outweighing the potential for right. bad in right. a situation? And this is a, it, this is, you know, all surgeries are serious, but this is an extremely serious surgery. I mean, right. it's, it's not just, y- you know, yeah. it, it's, it's not even like many transplant surgeries. Right. Well, and yeah. the thing, the difference here, the nuance here is it's not right. life-saving. Yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, with a transplant, the equation is different yeah. where it's like, if we don't do this, someone will die. And so any sort of benefit we get, you know, right. like, even if we do a little harm, that's in the spectrum of things this person was right. going to die anyway. Right. But with this, it's like this person could live a normally happy, healthy life. Right. With that, you know, mm-hmm. and so you're basically introducing that yeah. risk. And I think it was. And even I want to you- say Cleveland actually the woman who did get the infection, she had like a life threatening hemorrhage. Right. Well, and that's the thing, like when you're on these immunosuppressive drugs, like any infection you have is life threatening at that point. Right. Yeah. Like it's not just like your regular, like, yeah, it's not like, yeah. And when we say yeast infection, that sounds, you know, like lots of women get yeast infections. This is not that. This is not that. And, this is yeast like a f- can get into your blood and yeah. cause sepsis and it's really nasty and it's hard to get rid of and people die. Yeah. And the so, drugs to treat it suck. Yeah. So that's kind of like this, you know, that's the. Those are the sca- stakes. Yeah, yeah. Those are the stakes here. For these women, you know, they talk about the emotionality of, you know, being told in their youth, never, they'd never right. be able to have tra- children. Which that's the other thing that's really hard for me is like, it's really easy for me to say this as someone who like doesn't really want to carry their own children. Like, yeah. I've and not, that was I'm your like, choice. not and, born yeah. with that, like, whatever desire that is. Like, I just don't have it, at least yeah. right now. And so, like, yes, it's like, that's the other reason why I say I feel really bad for saying, like, just because you want to have a baby doesn't necessarily mean that we should like provide that to you but at the same time like I think it's just like so the other thing the other problem I have for this is like kind of Corbin addressed it earlier like right now the grants and the studies are paying for all this but yeah eventually if we keep doing it it's not going to be that and it's just going to be I doubt I don't think this will ever be covered by insurance and so essentially it will be like rich people who are able to pay for it and all getting their like being able to reproduce which is also like a really big ethical thing with IVF too which I think we should talk about yeah. in the episode but like because IVF is so expensive and is like not really usually paid for by insurance it's mostly just like very affluent people who are doing it and so it, it's kind of a reproductive injustice on the grand scheme of things yeah. I kind of so I have a couple thoughts on this when I was diving, diving deep into this like mm-hmm. ethical um as an aside according to this paper and this like ethical medical ethical scholar he says the principle of non 
malfeasance opposes uterine transplant. So yeah. he decides he thinks that. But in terms of justice, so like making sure that equal opportunity to all people, he thinks it uh, endorses uterine transplant, which um, I think because depending because on it how it's offers paid for. The, yeah, exactly. It offers the ability for all women to get pregnant, right. essentially. But I think, but that's so, different. Than yeah, like it's different than economical... being able to afford it, right? Right. And but I was thinking about it last night, and I was like, "Is this paying? You know, like who can pay for it? Whether insurance pays for it or not, there are still the costs. You know, just because insurance may cover it, there are still those healthcare costs. Right. Oh yeah, and then like and things, other things may or may not be covered, and so you know we have a pot we're working with, right? For insurance, you know, for coverage. But then I thought, man, is this actually kind of a false, like, paradigm we've been given well, so in the I wanna US? Back, I want to back know? up and, like, say more concretely what you're saying, because I know what you're yeah. saying. So what Corbin is saying is that basically in the U.S. right now, we have a X number of dollars that we have to spend on health care, essentially. It, this is how it's seen by insurance companies. And so what she's saying is that even if, if or a person has X number of, of dollars that they earn. And so what she's saying is... If we're spending Y amount of dollars doing this uterus transplant, then that Y amount of dollars isn't going to other people who might need life-saving therapies. Right. Um, and so basically what she's saying is that like on the grand scheme of things like countrywide or internationally, that is this a worthwhile ex- like expenditure of resources on and like nursing care time, OR time, surgeon time? on doing this drugs that this person's getting is this a, a reasonable way for them to be spent on the on a global scheme of things mm-hmm. is this is this a reasonable place to be because we don't have f- infinite resources like so is, what she's saying is is this justice on a grand scale basically right. yeah is that yeah that's okay. what i'm trying to say okay. and then and then i was thinking there's also the like counterpoint to that of saying maybe it is like a false right pair you know maybe it is not we don't have we're not limited in the way americans tend to look at it because of the way our healthcare system right. you know operates yeah which and, is like that's like if paul farmer like if anyone any of our listeners know anything about him like that's his argument is that it is a false paradigm and yeah. that like we shouldn't that one person is is worth spending resources on and that the limitation of resources is kind of this made up thing, mm. um, which I mean. I suppose there's another argument, too, which is that the knowledge that we gain from yeah. doing this. And that's, I think, where we're at right now. Is yeah. important. Right. Yeah. No. And I and I can't really in many ways argue. Yeah, with I can't that. argue with that. You know, I. You really do believe in knowledge for knowledge sake? Yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of but... like, you know, we, we some people argue that um, sending people into orbit mm-hmm. is a waste of resources. But mm-hmm. much yeah. of what we enjoy or even need as a society has come from the benefits, yeah. the knowledge that we acquired by sending people into right. orbit. And, right. and so, you know, you wouldn't have things like... Um, yeah, I, I don't know an insulin Satellite pump. Phones and I mean, well, even oh, an yeah, insulin yeah, pump is something yeah. that was developed in you know with NASA money. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as I understand it, yeah. So, um, but then I mean, so on the other side of that coin, so like knowledge for knowledge's sake. So I mean, that's where we get like the Nuremberg trials from, though. So like yeah. in Nazi Germany, there was a lot of um, 
experimentation. experimentation. So on people who are non, well, I think, and here's the difference is the non-consenting part. Right. So, right. and this was done for like torture and mm-hmm. things like that. But I mean, but they were researching for research sake, which I don't think is always good. And I think that, I mean, from the Nuremberg yeah. trials and other such like meetings of the great ethical minds, yeah. Yeah. we have like consent rules and yeah. we aren't allowed yeah. to perform experiments yeah. on so people who can't the, consent or who are vulnerable. in this, you know, are benefiting from right. it. As right. Exactly. Yeah. And they're consenting and I'm sure that they've gone through heavy psychological counseling on this. Yeah. Like I can't imagine that they wouldn't for this kind of procedure, but I, I think though that looking ahead, you know, if this were to become routine, looking ahead, there is a chance that that while that psychological counsel- consultation could be continued as a feature of the process Mm -hmm. it is also possible that that psychological consultation could become very routinized routine for sure and so things might get missed but right and then might be a less careful process yeah um because i think there there are many surgeries that require oh yeah uh uh, routine counseling Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or like, I mean, even so to bring it back to like to transgender. So like there's a lot of states that require you to have a lot of counseling before you do hormone therapy mm-hmm. um, or like trans, you know, transitional hormone therapy. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's it. And there are a lot of trans people who say that that's worthless and that they know what they want and why do they need to go through these years of counseling. But at the same time, like um, for this surgery, it's a little different because I think maybe not so much the psychological counseling, but I think what will always need to be there is a, is a very clear and real explanation of the risks. Mm -hmm. Because I think like a lot of times, like what in the, in the hospital, like when I'm counseling a patient on a surgery, so it's really easy to say like, oh yeah, this surgery is like going to go like this and we have really good rates of doing this. But there are certain times when you have to say you might die. Mm -hmm. And that's like, even though, yes, we agree, we all agree that this surgery is necessary and we agree that you need this. So, like, I'll just give, like, a really, really hard, like, a concrete example. So, I had a patient who had a abnormal pregnancy in her uterus. So, we thought it was a mole, but we weren't sure. So, a molar pregnancy is something we can get into, but it, it's a potentially very dangerous type of pregnancy because it can cause a lot of bleeding and it can also has a higher risk of developing a cancer from it. Um, and so what we're, ta- and this is also more complicated because this woman didn't speak English and we didn't have a, tr- a person, an in-person translator for her language, but to the explanation was we needed to do a DNC. We needed mm-hmm. to, a dilation and curatage. We needed to remove this abnormal pregnancy from the uterus, which is normal. And we do it all the time. And a lot of times we can do it in clinic for like, you know, just like a regular DNC. But, um, but the conversation we had to have with this woman is because we thought it might be molar, they bleed a lot. They have abnormal um, blood vessels coming in. And so you, we had to have that conversation of, we can do this, but you might end up without a uterus at the end of it. Like we very clearly had to explain, like we might run into bleeding and you might wake up without a uterus. And if you don't, it's because we were saving your life. And and like in, in American culture, I feel like that's not a big deal. It's like, okay, yes, obviously. But there are some cultures where women's power is from childbearing. And I think the conversation we had with this woman led us to believe that that was true for her. And so explaining that you have to be okay with not waking up without a uterus or we can't do this ethically. And it's just like a really hard thing sometimes because this is such a routine surgery, but, um, and that's a, that's a routine thing we do every day. So what I'm saying is like for this uterus transplant thing, like you really need to tell your patients the stakes, Yeah, you know, of what they're getting into. Yeah. 
And sometimes that means calling in a psychiatrist or, or somebody who can ensure right. that the signs of full understanding right. exist mm-hmm. for that patient. Yeah. So anyway, that was like a really long way to say what I was trying to say, but but brilliantly said, I thought. Oh, yeah, you. very mm, good. Thank yes. You. Lots for us to chew on. Yeah, this is, I feel like this has been a really good episode. It's like a powerhouse episode. Let's pat ourselves in the back. Let's uh, have a little debrief. So we did uh, a lot of good as, work. As, as you... Corbin says, I think you need to do a little more self-reflection. Yes. Yeah, we, should, we should do some self-reflection now. If you, uh, <laughs> and if, if buying a mug from the vagabonds.com slash store will help you do that, yeah. we fully endorse we that. We endorse it. We do. Um, you know? Yeah. Go or, to our or website. A <laughs> or a t-shirt. Or a t-shirt. Or a onesie. Uh, go to our website, thevagabonds.com slash store, and pick up a mug at thevagabonds.com slash store. Oh, yeah. I went to a baby hey, well, shower yesterday. <gasps> I should have. <laughs> we should we should get her baby. Yeah, she would love that. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're going to do that for a friend. Um, but anyway, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So if you also, this is like one where I really want to know what like listeners think about yeah. it. So if you have any like thing that we miss or anything that you think about this, email us, tweet at us, whatever. Yeah. Um, record you, an Instagram video and Instagram us. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, be fun. Um, our email is thevagabondspodcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at, at the vagabonds. Use the hashtag, hashtag the vagabonds, because I want to like make that a make thing. Make a thing. Um, <laughs> I want it like when I like post, I want it to pop up automatically and show me like how many tweets there are that aren't just mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Instagram's at the vagabonds pod. Yep. And Facebook. Give us uh, five stars. Yeah. And on iTunes. iTunes. And rate and, and subscribe and, and review and do all the things. Yeah. Please. Yes. Okay. Uh, peace Thanks out. Thanks for joining fans. us.